welcome to day 353 of Shaped by the Word. We're coming to the end of our third season together. Uh, we've done the story of the New Testament. Uh, we've taken the span of the entire Scripture and doing the story of the Bible and reading key chapters out of both Old and New Testament. And this season we've uh, covered the story of the prophets, reading all the prophets uh, more or less in, in the order that their prophecies occur. Uh, there's you know three different you know kind of sections we have. There are those who are who are prophesying the coming judgment of God before the judgment has actually taken place, in hope of returning the people to repentance. And then of course there are those who prophesy as the judgment is taking place. And uh, right now as we come to the end of the year, we're uh, reading about those who prophesy to a beleaguered people who are coming back into the city of Jerusalem to rebuild the walls and to rebuild the temple. And of course, the vision that they're receiving from the prophets is God's coming judgment on the nations who have destroyed and exploited them, but also God's coming restoration of Israel and through them a drawing of the nations into the worship of the true and living God. So we're uh, reading through Zechariah and Paul here with Cindy, David, and Matt. And uh, before we uh, continue to uh, conclude our reading in Zechariah today and tomorrow, let's uh, offer ourselves, offer this moment to the Lord. What a wonderful week gift we have in His Word. We're reminded that uh, it's His very breath. And of course, we're reminded from the story of Scripture that it is His breath that has given us life. We're reminded through the story of the prophets, it's His breath that restores Israel as it blows over the valley, you know, of the dry bones. And, and of course, it is His breath that uh, restores us in spiritual life as well. So we receive the Word of God and from the Spirit of God to do the work of God in our lives. Mm-hmm. So before we read, Cindy, do you mind lifting us up mm-hmm. and offering this moment to the Lord? Mm-hmm. Father, we we do just that. We offer this time, um, asking that Lord, just uh, the reading of Your Word, and then looking intently at Your Word would be something, Father, that would not be just a, a random exercise, Lord, but that we would approach it with the reverence due, and that we would look to it, Father, um, for Your Spirit to convict us of sin, or Father to encourage us or to teach us. So, thank You for this time, and it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Zechariah 12 and 13, a prophecy, the word of the Lord concerning Israel, the Lord who stretches out the heavens, who lays the foundation of the earth, and who forms a human spirit within a person declares, I'm going to make Jerusalem a cup that will send all the surrounding peoples reeling. Judah will be besieged as well as Jerusalem on that day when all the nations of the earth are gathered against her. I'll make Jerusalem an immovable rock for all the nations. All who try to move it will injure themselves. On that day I will strike every horse with panic and its riders with madness, declares the Lord. I'll keep a watchful eye over Judah, but I'll blind all the horses of the nations. Then the clans of Judah will say in their hearts, The people of Jerusalem are strong because the Lord Almighty is their God. On that day I will make the clans of Judah like a fire pot in the wood pile, like a flaming torch among the sheaves. They'll consume all the surrounding peoples right and left, but Jerusalem will remain intact in her place. The Lord will save the dwelling of Judah first, so that the honor of the house of David and of Jerusalem's inhabitants may not be greater than that of Judah. On that day the Lord will shield those living in Jerusalem, so that the feebleness among them will be like David, and the house of David will be like God." like an angel of the Lord going before them. On that day I will set out to destroy all the nations that attack Jerusalem. 
And I'll pour out on the horse of, on the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem a spirit of grace and supplication. They will look on me, the one they have pierced, and they will mourn for him as one mourns for an only child and grieve bitterly for him as one grieves for a firstborn son. On that day, the weeping in Jerusalem be as great as the weeping of Hadad Ramon in the plain of Megiddo. The land will mourn each clan by itself and with their wives and themselves, the clan of the house of David and their wives, the clan of the house of Nathan and their wives, the clan of the house of Levi and their wives, the clan of the house of Shammai and their wives, and all the rest of the clans and their lives. On that day, a fountain will be opened to the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to cleanse them from sin and impurity. On that day, I'll banish the names of the idols from the land, and they will be remembered no more, declares the Lord Almighty. I'll remove both the prophets and the spirit of impurity from the land, and if anyone still prophesies, their father and mother to whom they were born will say to them, You must die because you have told lies in the Lord's name. Then their own parents will stab the one who prophesies. On that day, every prophet will be ashamed of their prophetic vision and will not put on a prophetic garment of hair in order to deceive. Each will say, I am not a prophet. I am a farmer. The land has been my livelihood since my youth. If someone asks, what are these wounds on your body? They will answer, the wounds I was given at the house of my friends. Awake, sword, against my shepherd, against the man who is close to me, declares the Lord Almighty. Strike the shepherd, and the sheep will be scattered, and I'll turn my hand against the little ones. And the whole land, declares the Lord, two-thirds will be struck down and perish, yet one-third will be left in it. A third I'll put into the fire, I'll refine them like silver, and test them like gold. They will call on my name, and I will answer them. I will say, they are my people, and they will say, the Lord is our God. So you see a restoration of Israel, but it's a restoration of Israel through fire. And you see the inner remnant of Israel, the idea that two-thirds of them will be lost, but a third will be restored, and uh, they will be cleansed you know, as, as through fire and refined as God's people. But you hear that covenant promise again that I'll be among them and I'll be their, I'll be their God. So you see restoration, but it's restoration through in a troubled waters, it's restoration through refining by fire, and it's not restoration without, you know, great cost. I love how the prophecy begins in chapter 12. The word of the Lord concerning Israel, the Lord who stretches out the heavens, who lays the foundations of the earth, and who forms the human spirit within a person, you know, declares. And just, the, I mean, at the outset, the Lord is the one who's created all things. He's sovereign over all things. He's formed each and every one of us. You know, not just those who are his, you know, but but he has complete sovereignty over all things. And so, therefore, he he proclaims. And, um, I mean, it's a reminder to us, one, of who he is and what he's done, but then, two, that he speaks to us, you know. And, and if this is the God who is speaking, we ought to to hear the words that, that follow. Now, you see the wonderful, you know, wonderful works of creation, the stretching of the heavens and firmly placing the earth on its foundations. And, of course, we talked about that you know, in our introduction, how the breath of God is you know, the very life of God. And even the word in, in Greek as well as Hebrew is the word breath and spirit. So I put breath or I put my spirit you know, within the hearts of men you know, so that they can know me and, and respond, you know, respond to me. Even like how it kind of picks up on some of that towards the end of verse 5. You know, the people of Jerusalem are strong. If you've been reading the story, it's like, no, they're not. It's like, well, here's why. Because the Lord Almighty is their God, who's the very Lord we're introduced to, you know, in in, in, in verse 1 there. So, just a reminder that the, the people's strength and 
and all this restoration that we see even through the difficulty, it's not because the people are, are so great, but their Lord is so great to do this work for them graciously. Even we read yesterday, you know, you know, I, I will shepherd my people and have compassion on them. So this, this is out of his compassion for his people. Yeah. And you see, you know, in, in you know, both both instances, you see all the nations coming against Jerusalem, and then you later see all the nations flowing into Jerusalem in order to worship. So you have the images of you know war and conflict on one hand, and worship and mm-hmm. restoration on the other hand, and, and of course the one you know leads to you know the other, uh, you know, in, in an incredible in an incredible way. So you see the spiritual conflict that we'll see time and time again in Revelation, and of course you see the ultimate restoration that comes in chapters twenty one and twenty two of Revelation as well. Well, I really enjoyed 13 as far as it seemed as though um, we're really talking about on that day or or to me, the way I'm reading this, and I would love to hear what you have to say that we're really talking about um, the crucifixion here or just the work of Christ, especially as um, he going forward, prophets are removed and a spirit of impurity is, you know, gone from the land. So once his death, his crucifixion has accomplished for us, death to sin, you know, also the need for prophecy has ended because he has fulfilled that. I'm, I may be reading a lot into that, but I'm curious. You're, you're also close. You know, in so many different ways. You, you hear in these chapters in the beginning, you know, probably 12 you know, through 14, uh, the constant chorus of on that day mm-hmm. and on that day. And, and of course, Israel looked forward to the day of God's judgment of the nations. Mm-hmm. But the prophets, you know, warn them that it'll be a great and a terrible day. It'll be a great day because of the pouring out of God's spirit and, and the restoration, but it'll be a terrible day because not only will the nations be judged, but Israel itself will be judged. And, and while that's, you know, foreshadowed in the cross, it points, you know, to the ultimate, you know, consummation where God mm-hmm. finally judges the nation and finally, you know, restores the, for, you know, the, the formation of Israel. So the, the cross is certainly pointing forward to that and is a demonstration of the day of the Lord. And of course, we've we've had several illusions this week. You know, the Old Testament you know, writers pick up, you know, the king riding into the city of Jerusalem, and, and of course, we have you mm-hmm. know the image of the one that they have pierced, mm-hmm. you know, looking on them, and uh, you have these images, you know, of Christ, you know, that come all the way through, and of course, that is the beginning of the day of the Lord, mm-hmm. in in the fulfillment of the day of the Lord. Yeah, yeah. What a fascinating. I mean, those images. You know, the yeah. one. The one who's been pierced, the the shepherd, mm-hmm. you know, awake sword, strike the shepherd against the man who is close to me. This is different than the shepherds that we've read about previously who were, mm-hmm. you know, wicked after their own gain, after their own interests. And now we see one who's close to the Lord who will be struck. You know, sheep will be scattered. And, and yet at the same time, that the, the third of those sheep will call on the Lord. He'll hear mm-hmm. them. He is their God. You know, and, and then on that day, a fountain will be opened. I mean, just seeing all these images yeah, for sure. go for a long time. But um, obviously, <laughs> some good stuff here. And, and, and again, this mm-hmm. is the verse that uh, you know Jesus, Jesus in the yeah. upper room quoted to the disciples that yeah. uh, the shepherd will be struck and the sheep will be scattered, which uh, mm-hmm. obviously symbolically happens with them as he was taken into mm-hmm. captivity. You know that the disciples, you know, each kind of ran for cover. Peter yeah. followed, you know, at a distance, and when it came to being mm-hmm. confronted, you know, it was a lesson forthcoming. I know the man. Yeah. 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 And so, but you see, you know, the pictures of both restoration coming through difficulty and coming through judgment 
and ultimately reading to the restoration of the people. And, and again, that day is, you know, a day that is a day of good news and a day of sorrow as well. And uh, you, know, you have that picture of them mourning over the one, you know, that, you know, that they have lost. And of course, it's a brokenness and repentance when Israel realizes what they have done to their king and what they have done to their Messiah. And that's when we see the one that was pierced, you know, for us, mm-hmm. you know, as well, and are deeply grieved at the enormous price that God paid to redeem us and restore us, and at the same time, overjoyed that God loved us enough to send his only son, uh, you know, as a sin offering for us. Mm-hmm. David, do you mind closing us with a word of prayer? No, let's pray. And Father, how amazing that your word not only speaks to our rebellion and our, our pride and our selfishness and our sin, but also speaks of how you and your love and your grace have sent your son, um, the true shepherd, the chief shepherd um, for us. And so we thank you so much how all the promises we see find their yes in Christ Jesus. Uh, may we live under the good care of our Lord as you care for us. Uh, Father, we pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.